Decoholics, good evening, and welcome to episode 83 of the Deacon and Co. Show. My name is Deacon, and uh, I'll be the one hosting this wonderful show today. And there are a lot of topics to talk about, especially today, Saturday the 23rd of April, 2022. A lot of, lot of great things that we can talk about. But I have a guest coming on, did something really, really cool and uh, definitely looking forward to hearing what he's got to say. So I hope that I don't bore him too much in the pre-ramble. But a couple of things I wanted to bring up. Uh, sports update for you guys. Big fight going on today. Um, Tyson Fury. And I think that is um, it's something that you, if you guys are boxing fans, it's something to watch here. Because this guy has been dominant in the last three fights. Um, he's taking on Dylan White. And I, I don't know if this guy is going to be ready to really get into the ring with Fury. I, and he's just, the, the, like I said, the last few fights that he's had, he's been really, really dominant. And I expect him uh, to do some hardcore damage today. Um so we shall see what happens from uh, the outcomes there. But if you guys get a chance to watch it, two weeks away from the big fight with Canelo Alvarez, uh, Cinco de Mayo weekend. So that that's going to be fun. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, in the basketball world, some updates for everyone. Uh, Philly uh, going to Toronto. Uh, 3-0 lead for the Sixers. Trying to end that series today. Uh, Dallas and Utah. Uh, 2-1 for Dallas in that series. A little later on this evening, we got the Boston Celtics with a 2-0 uh, uh, series, sorry, not season, series lead there over the Brooklyn Nets. This game is going to be in Brooklyn, Game 3. And then Game 4, 2-1 advantage here for Memphis going to Minnesota. So, yeah, uh, going to be fun to see how that pans out. Uh, playoffs underway now, and... Nothing better than seeing the playoffs because of the talent that you have. And not, I guess this is a weird way to say this, all right, but not, not in a sense of you can't do it um, because there are guys out there that do it. But it's a maintaining process to play playoff hockey during the regular season. So when you have those rare instances that guys do this, you know, it's it's really the conditioning of what you would have to do to your body, the conditioning of what you would have to be so disciplined to recover from something of, of the physicality. Uh, it's unbelievable. And that's that's the difference of, of what comes on in the playoffs in the regular season. Not saying that the regular season is not important, but everybody knows playoffs, different intensity. Uh, hockey world, uh, and only a few games left on this, uh, season here. So we had the playoffs starting on May the 2nd. So you see, we're, we're right there, right around the corner. Uh, stay tuned uh, to get your information on how you can participate in the Deacon & Co. Show NHL Bracket Challenge. So we'll definitely have that, and I will definitely have the information for you guys. Um, obviously, we know the positioning for the Eastern Conference is you know, locked in for your eight teams has been there since November. So now it's just a matter of finding out the couple of days that remain uh, to what is going to be the positioning for the playoffs. 
So everything right now, um, favorable matchups and better opponents, in my eyes, plays a huge part of this. But in order for a team to be the best, they have to beat the best. So we shall see what happens in the upcoming weeks. But to this afternoon's events, um, early start here for a lot of games. And Islanders in Buffalo. Rangers are playing on the road on Boston. Uh, Pittsburgh and Detroit. Carolina, New Jersey. Montreal in Ottawa tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, Geekaholics of all ages, that is a bum, 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 bum. hockey night in Canada. Nashville is going on the road to play Tampa Bay. Seattle's been Dallas. Toronto is playing Florida. Chicago and San Jose. Vancouver, Calgary. St. Louis, who is red hot, going to Arizona in the desert. Anaheim and L.A. Kings in the freeway series. Okay, so baseball going on as well. Lots of stuff going on today, as I mentioned. See what happens. Look forward to giving you guys a preview of the round-by-round Stanley Cup Finals. But hope you guys enjoyed the last week's episode. Uh, it was so uh, Last week's episode was really, really fun to do. Many reasons why. One... Nay, welcome back to the show after a hiatus. I don't know where she went, but yes, she's doing okay. Well, whatever you want to say. Great. And uh, celebrated a birthday this week. So, happy birthday to my best friend, Nay. Thank you for everything. I love you dearly. Episode being so fun last week to do, okay, was because of the simple fact that people don't pay attention to what a holiday means. They think it's out for... What I can buy and what I can do instead of the meaning of behind the gathering. Do I need it to be a fucking holiday to go gather with somebody? No, I don't. But in the world that we live in nowadays, it's very difficult to not have that marketing aspect uh, behind every holiday. Okay? And so to break that down, obviously, was a big deal. And then also to Creeping Death. Obviously, one of the top Metallica songs of all time. And with the next guest coming up in just a few minutes there, I do apologize, Bill. But uh, the thing is, is that breaking down the concepts of lyrics and ride the lyrics is the name of Bill's book. It's unbelievable because thinking about things as, you know, Metallica fan. Absolutely. But now, twisting things to the point, okay, of taking a lyric or taking it into his own version, which is so awesome and so unique, because everything has a different meaning to everybody else. So every reason why you, one, listen to this, the music that you listen to, because it makes you feel good, you like, whatever the scenario is. So... For his output or input on the band's obvious success and and whatnot, um, excellent job. Excellent job. Um, I got to read the book, and I I loved it. And it was one of those rare occasions where it's almost as if, like, you're just sitting there walking into reading this book um, 
you know, blind about the facts of what really is going down on each of these songs and the meanings behind the songs and this and whatnot. So, Bill does a great job on breaking that down, and we're going to discuss that and a whole bunch more in just a few minutes. But, moving forward with that, Met News, absolutely. So, Portals was released today, Kirk Hammett's solo project. I will definitely take some time to break that down in two weeks for you guys uh, to give everybody a chance to listen to it. It's a four-track instrumental EP. And let me tell you something, when I heard it this morning, it was um, a breath of fresh air walking away from something that, you know, realizing that the success of a band, you know, nobody was in the situation that they were going to say, okay, I want to put out my own stuff. And I don't think it was anything to do with confidence or anything of that. I just, I just think that now the difference of what went down on the actual um, first steps, I think we might see something more in the future from the other members of Metallica. But to hear this, obviously Kirk Hammett is one, probably, I'm not going to say probably, he, he is my favorite guitarist of all time. Uh, so... It, him and then Clapton, I mean, just it's old Ripper. You're gonna get some, you know, new sound, new vibe and stuff. That's actually really something gentle on the ears instead of what you're, you know, normally hearing from Metallica. And, and again, great, great. You guys can listen to it on all the places that you listen to the Deacon and Co show. It's there for you. Um, so portals, check it out. We'll do a recap on there uh, in a couple of weeks. Upcoming events on the Deacon and Co show. Well, next week, here we go. Part three of the Big Four special, and Anthrax is up. And I know Doc is ready for this one because, man, does he love Anthrax. <laughs> so it's going to be fun. But moving forward on things with the upcoming schedule for Metallica, and Metallica season's here. So it's about to happen, about to do what they got to do. And uh, it, it's going to be good to not only see them um, again, but just to, you know, be able to see the atmosphere of what's going to happen. First off, for me, it's going to be Boston. Um, so that'll, that'll be fun to see how people in Boston react, you know. A um, couple of things that I've been checking out, I want you guys to check out, uh, if you had a chance, was um, a documentary on Netflix that was about um, Andy Kaufman. Jim Carrey, we all know, played the movie 99 Man on the Moon. And I, I don't know if I would have anybody else play that part. I mean, sometimes in a character, you know, you in order for you to feel like you want to do the best job that you can, was that you have to pretend that you're that person. So now Jim Carrey talks about an experience where he had not been himself, that there was some telekinesis going on, where it was really Andy inside of him. And I loved it because it was great. So check it out there. Little known fact that many, many people do not know this. Okay, so here you go, Decaholics. Andy Kaufman is one of the highest influences on me as a performer, 
and an entertainer. And so well-deserved to stand up for everything that he believed in, but just this type of humor itself was my kind of humor. Like, that's what I would do to people. So, going back to the birthday topic real quick here, I thought that, you know, I have to do something that stands out. So, as they brought out our dessert at the restaurant, I um, I stood up, and I sang happy birthday in front of the whole restaurant today, and everyone joined me. They stopped what they were doing um, and joined me. So, it was great. So... Really awesome that that happened. I mean, I, Nate was, probably, was still shell shocked about it. She was really red and embarrassed and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, ten years uh, I've been waiting to do that. Because the thing is, is that like you can have those people at the restaurant do something nice for you and come out, but they draw the attention. And sometimes I can understand how it's annoying, you know, because if it was somebody saying happy birthday to me, I probably would fucking walk out. But that's just me, you know. I don't. I don't like to recognize things like that. So, for me to do it the way I did it, nobody expected it. And it was great. It turned out great. But Andy Kaufman did things a different route. And seeing him, you know, take on different aspects of comedy that attracted certain people that people branched away from or people didn't like, it's all about being comedy and to stay with it. The art of comedy, as I mentioned many times, is to not laugh. You have to stay focused on entertaining, and that's it. He wasn't so much a comedian, or late. he wanted to not be labeled as a comedian, but he was. And that's simple facts about it. Just a really, really hardcore um, performer. And again, one of my highest influences uh it's all about crowd pleasing and whatnot so check that out if you guys get a chance on netflix and just listen to how cool it was that jim carrey to go into this and speak about the things that he did so you'll thank me and uh and hopefully get some uh positive feedback as well one other note was was that i got to see the new batman as well and I had to pause that because I don't want to cough on you guys. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, start to finish, really, really good stuff. Riddler, great job. I mean, I thought he was great acting in this. And just stuff that, you know, what what, what more, how many different storylines do you have on Batman? It's infinite. It's a great thing about a comic book because there are so many different wavelengths and so many different portals and things that open up see full circle back to portals right so so many things that happen when you're having the original storyline because there are so many different ways it can go and just crazy but definitely definitely worth taking some time it's a long movie it's three hours but it, it is uh fantabulous and i look forward to the second uh rendition of it uh, for me it doesn't matter who plays batman it doesn't matter who plays these villains, as I have the favorites locked in. Uh, as much as Jim Carrey was a great Riddler, I, I just, the new Riddler, really, really, Paul Dano, or Dano, whatever you want to pronounce it, for the Riddler, 
unbelievable job, as I said there. And, and Robert Pattinson, um, great job as Batman. For me, Christian Bale is going to be my favorite Batman of all time. And unveiling the uh, list, okay, for you guys in regards to um, actors. There would be no surprise to you there. But uh, just certain roles, uh, bringing it back full circle uh, about getting into the role. Uh, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, prior Jokers, had said, you have to get into the character to really understand the Joker. And yeah, yeah, you have to. And it, and it really, you know, this guy's part and the, like, the mental basic um, uh, prep work that it takes to do something like, you know, to, to make it the right way, uh, I mean, just hats off to him. And great job. Again, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I really did. But the bottom line comes down to it is that when you turn around and you're doing remakes and stuff like that, you got to have enough confidence that you're going to outdo the next or the prior with a scenario like Batman because you, everyone knows that it's going to sell. Like, there's no way that Batman does not sell out and crush the box offices and all this shit every year. Or every time there's a new one out. It's because of the storyline. So now, having these good actors come in here to, to, I guess, follow up is almost the equivalent of how do you pro or how do you follow Master of Puppets when you hear it? What do you do on that scenario? What is the next song that has to be equally as powerful to coordinate with a set list like this to make it stand out. You can't just go from Master of Puppets to then going to a song that's an acoustic or going from, you know, something that's not as heavy on the cal um, the catalog. Um, songs, when you're dealing with them, mean a lot to a lot of people. This band means a lot to me. The band means a lot to a lot of people. So, without further ado, my friend, William Irwin. And here we go. Now, as I promised you guys earlier, I got a very special guest on the show. I've been in contact with the next guest for quite a long time, and this is a long time coming. Please, ladies and gentlemen, decaholics of all ages, welcome my friend and author, fellow Metallica fan and metal critic, William Irwin to the Deacon and Co. Show. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Deacon, and uh, my name is Bill, and I'm a decaholic, you know? <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know, it's always exciting when you get people that actually, you know, uh, are decaholics that come on the show, because it's, it's the greatest thing in the world when you could just relate to a subject with somebody and just chat with them. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited for this. Like you said, we've been in touch through Twitter and stuff like that for a couple of years and now finally my book is out and the time is right for this conversation. 
Absolutely. And super excited. I, I mean, the book just came out a couple of days. We're on episode 83 here on April 23rd, 2022. The book came out on the 19th. Bill, tell us about the book. Uh, tell us everything about it. We want to know. I actually am 18 pages away from finishing it. And I got to say, before you give us your description, uh, the subject line itself had me reeled in. But the way that you are so narrative in everything that's inside of this book, it was mind-blowing to me. Oh, wow. Well, that's that's a terrific endorsement. I appreciate that, Deacon. But, yeah, so uh, the, the title of the book is uh, The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics. And uh, it's the first book that focuses exclusively on the lyrics of Metallica. There are lots of great Metallica books out there, as, as you and your listeners know. Lots of, you know, great biographies of the band. And there are a few sort of uh, behind-the-songs collections. Uh, but most of those are, are about uh, sort of little bits of uh, trivia that have been given about the, uh, the songs when, uh, when uh, you know, Headfield speaks in an interview or Laura says something. Uh, this one really looks at the uh, the lyrics of songs kind of line by line and uh, looks at all the, the poetic imagery and the metaphors and the way that the songs are narrated and how they have the uh, emotional effect and the, uh, the intellectual effect on us that they do. So that, that's, that's the basic uh, idea for the book. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the greatest thing about, uh, you know, breaking it down is that you don't have somebody who's done this and as you said a lot of the books out there for metallica are the trivia and stuff most of the stuff people already know and I, I just love if i may take one part of the book not to ruin it for the audience but my favorite part is when you broke down creeping death and on i mean i'm reading this and, and it's almost like you know looking at this and i'm like wow like i i felt that you went outside the box here, and I can guarantee you right now, Bill, that there are thousands, if not millions of people that will agree with you on the points inside of this book. Well, uh, th yeah, that's great. I mean, that, that, that's uh, definitely a favorite uh, uh, song of mine, Creeping Death. And yeah, so, so I, I break it down, you know, pretty much line by line and, and the way in which uh, it, uh, it, it gets the listener sort of rooting along for this vengeful, angry god, uh, almost, you know, who's not a very likable character, actually, uh, but you like him anyway. I compare him to sort of Tony Soprano, the, the bad guy uh, that <laughs> really liking, and, uh, even if you wouldn't in, in real life. And uh, the way in which the, the song really functions as a, as a critique of, uh, of religion and the idea uh, of a god uh, who would strike the uh, the Egyptians dead in this way and, and all the kind of uh, fire and brimstone of the uh, the Old Testament and, and all the uh, uh, you know the uh, the metaphors and uh, the imagery that's used from the Old Testament and uh, one of the remarkable things about Metallica from early on with the lyrics is just that they, they didn't go in for cliches right and so, you know, a lot of uh, Satanism or faux Satanism, devil stuff uh, was out there, and, and they really, that field as the lyric writer really steered away from it, and, and yet he had, in, in many ways, a more effective critique of organized religion, starting with, with Creeping Death and then going into uh, 
you know, leper messiah and master of puppets, and then the god that failed. And uh, so this is one of the things that the the book tries to do is is look at songs that sort of uh, thematically tie together uh, and speak to one another. Yeah, and and a great job it was because. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, and and I'm ninety nine point nine percent. I'm sure that I'm correct here. You don't see ever a song about Passover. <laughs> I think that There's is the only one. Not a lot of metal songs about Passover. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there there are probably some in uh, in the Jewish tradition that I don't know about, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a lot of fans know, the uh, the the song is uh, is inspired by uh, the movie The Ten Commandments, which the band was watching together, and and Cliff Burton was what uh, uh, saw the the sort of mist uh, that uh, that personifies kind of the uh, uh, the angel of death, or you know, the hand of God coming to kill, and he and he said it's like creeping death, and so that was. Uh, inspiration for the song, you know. And, I mean, that that's the kind of thing uh, that's well known to a lot of fans, and that you can read elsewhere. Uh, but uh, where I hope this book differentiates itself is uh, then really breaking down the songs line by line, uh, so that you can see uh, the, the way in which they're so effective, right? And the way it switches from uh, first-person narration to third-person narration, like. Uh, the you know I rule the midnight air the destroyer right and, yeah uh, die by my hand right uh, speaking in uh, the imperative uh, voice all, all this kind of thing and I break it down the way in which it really sort of uh, enlists the listener and it's just so uh, effective uh, in in getting you to identify uh, with the viewpoint that Hetfield has just very subtly and implicitly placed in the lyrics of the song. Yeah, absolutely. And at this point of their career in 1984, uh, you know, for me, he was already a great songwriter. And each progression of what you're talking about inside of the religion aspect, going per album per album, it only gets better from that point. But we can't argue that uh, Creeping Death is not in the top 10 because every list that I've ever seen, it's always been in the top 10. Probably a top ten Metallica song. Although, how can you, you know, uh, restrict yourself to ten? But then you're right. The uh, the, the lyrical uh, writing gets better and better across the uh, the span of his career. Not always, you know, from definitely one album to the next. But for for quite a while, we we see that right. So that uh, Leper Messiah is probably even more sophisticated uh, in its uh, lyrics, and uh, then it gets very personal. Uh, on uh, the God that failed on the Black Album, where you know you, you don't have to know a lot about Metallica and Hetfield to know it's very reflective of his own uh, upbringing in uh, the Christian Science religion and the way in which uh, that sort of uh, scarred him uh, mentally, emotionally, and uh, so yeah, I mean it, it really it really develops and you know one of the remarkable things i think about hetfield as a as a lyrics writer is that you know he he might have been content never to write lyrics uh like he might have been content never to sing you know if he were in a in a different band uh, he you know early on we know uh was not anxious to be a lead singer and you know for quite a while they're after john bush and people like that to try to 
but as, as we know, Metallica fans uh, will certainly tell you, right, his, his voice is just so unique and he grew into it uh, so fully and, and in the role of, uh, of the uh, front man uh, and uh, in the role of the lyrics writer. He wasn't going to do a crap job. I mean, he was obviously from, from very early on a gifted guitar player and writer of, uh, of music, uh, but he always very seriously the job of writing the lyrics too absolutely i couldn't agree with you there uh more there bill uh with that being said though now so tell us what is your entry point to metallica <laughs> all right so uh that goes back to, to 1984 uh oh <laughs> year of release of uh of ride the lightning and uh i'm a uh, a budding young young metalhead uh, at the time, uh, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Ozzy and Sabbath, and uh, my friend Joe and I are kind of like Beavis and Butthead before there was Beavis <laughs> and Butthead. You know, the, That's funny. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I, I probably heard uh, a song or two at a party or, or something that, that summer, but, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't enough to, to move me to go out and, and find more from Metallica, but my buddy Joe, all credit to him, uh, Beavis to my butthead, or butthead to my Beavis, <laughs> uh, bought Ride the Lightning, uh, and said, you know, you've got to listen to it, and uh, just what uh, kids did back then, he uh, taped it for me and gave me a tape, and, uh, you know, the rest is history, I, uh, <laughs> I played the tape repeatedly, and uh, you know, then bought my own copy of the album, and uh, yeah, took took it from there. I, uh, I was hooked, uh, not just by the the music, but really uh, the, the lyrics spoke to me from really early on, right there. Uh, and although I was definitely the the goofy Beavis and Butthead type, I was also you know kind of dark and serious. And Fade to Black really spoke to me, you know, and spoke to some of the darker feelings and and anxiety and uh, it was like nothing that I had really ever heard in a song before yeah it's some powerful stuff right there and um, it's you know to say the least it's powerful but uh, that is definitely a good entry point and it's it's fans and other family members of the Metallica family like yourself that keep me going because I'm thriving for the stories that you guys have <laughs> At three point like that, I can only imagine what kind of amazing, amazing shows that you've seen over all these years. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, every show is amazing in its own way, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I won't claim any sort of uh, super privilege about that, but you know, if, if you like later on or whenever, I'll, I'll give a story or two. Absolutely. <laughs> now, what inspired you, Bill? to write the meaning of Metallica, ride the lyrics. Yeah, right. So, so in one way, maybe I've been writing it since I was 14 in my head, but in, in another way, uh, it, it came to me uh, accidentally in the summer of maybe 2019, something like that. I've lost track with the pandemic, what year is what, you know? <laughs> uh, but so, something like that. And, and for me... Uh, as I've sort of hinted at already, uh, Metallica has been uh, therapy, uh, you know, from my, my first exposure to Fade to Black throughout my whole life. They've been the soundtrack to my life, and I, I've always found, you know, uh, comfort, 
uh, release, catharsis, a uh, sense of understanding uh, in, in thinking about uh, Metallica's lyrics. Uh, so, you know, and I, I think that that's something uh, that uh, young men in particular tend to shy away from two things that are good for them. Uh, well, maybe more than two, but uh, poetry <laughs> and uh, therapy. Uh, and so for, for me, I mean, uh, Metallica in some way is my introduction to poetry, and it's also uh, my personal form of therapy uh, that uh, has been with me throughout my, uh, my years. And, and so I, I, I blog for uh, Psychology Today for their website, and I was blogging, uh, writing a blog about this book uh, called Educated by Tara Westover, and it's her story about being raised uh, in a sort of fundamentalist Mormon household and uh, sort of the, uh, the difficulties and all the obstacles that she faced. And it was sounding to me a lot like uh, James Hetfield being raised as a Christian scientist. And so as I'm writing this, I'm, I'm quoting uh, from Metallica, and maybe I'm quoting from The Gods That Failed. Uh, and the, the more the more I'm writing, the more I'm quoting from Metallica, and the less that I'm writing about this uh, this thing that I'm supposed to be writing about, about Tara Westover and Educated, and it, and it just sort of took on uh, a life of its own. Uh, at, at first it was just uh, me uh, enjoying uh, thinking about all of these different songs that I love and that have meant so much to me and breaking them down uh, song by song, and I thought, oh, maybe I have a blog about Metallica here. Uh, and then it turned into more than uh, just a blog-length thing, you know, uh, and uh, eventually I had uh, a short, uh, well, not that short, but a book-length manuscript that, that came out of it. It just kept going, and it was just, uh, you talk about a labor of love. I know this podcast is a labor of love for you, Deke, and uh, writing that was not work by anyone's definition of work, uh, or if that's the kind of work you do, you never really work a day in your life, as they sometimes say. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, once again, the book came out a couple of days. So uh, where can we find the book so uh, the rest of the Decaholics could read it? Well, you, you know what they say, anywhere fine books are sold or even crappy books are sold. <laughs> you can find it there. Uh, you know, for sure, you can find it at all the usual sub suspects, right? Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, if you care to, you can get it directly from the publisher, I've worked with a really cool publisher on this book, uh, ECW. Uh, they're based in Toronto, Canada. And uh, the guy uh, who runs the press was actually a Metallica fan. This wasn't going to be an easy uh, book to find necessarily a publisher for. And I, and I got very lucky uh, that the guy who runs the press is himself a Metallica fan. So I've been really grateful to ECW for everything they've done in yeah, absolutely. And, of course, that's what we're here to do. Um, a lot of the times when I recommend things to the audience, I always appreciate it. And, of course, everyone listening, I'm always so grateful for the loyalness and uh, loyalty, rather, and also the continuous support over the years. So definitely check this out. Um, one of the things that you know impressed me the most is how well you articulated your words in this and coordinated everything together. And guys who are not the biggest Metallica fans will learn a lot and see a different side of perspective by reading this book. I promise you, it will not disappoint. Well, 
really appreciate you saying that. I mean, so I, I write the book, uh, obviously, uh, as a fan. I don't pretend to be an objective critic uh, of Metallica. They're, they're too close to my heart. Uh, not that I uh, praise every song to the hilt or don't find any fault with anything here or there. Uh, but the book is really written for fans, by a fan. And, uh, you know, it, it, although I'm a professor, I hope it doesn't read like the kind of thing, uh, like this is uh, the kind of uh, way a professor would ruin Metallica for me. I, I hope it comes across as, as just uh, the work of a fan who's given a lot of thought uh, to the lyrics. And, uh, you know, what, one of the things, too, I want to say to listeners, anybody uh, who reads the book, is that I would love to hear from you because... Uh, one of the, the kindest descriptions that I've gotten of the book uh, was by someone who told me uh, in reading a sort of beta copy of it uh, that it read like a conversation with, with a friend. Uh, and it's a bit of a one-way conversation because I did the writing, but uh, <laughs> I love to hear from people who do the reading now. And, you know, I, in the book itself, I give my email address, I give my Twitter handle, you know, uh, and listen, I, I, I read books and, and sometimes I contact an author and tell them that I liked it or I didn't like it or I hear something that, that I think about. Uh, and too often I don't uh, get any kind of response. Now, I mean, if it's Stephen King, well, you're not going to get a response, but uh, I'm sure not Stephen King. So if you get in touch with me, I'd love to hear from you and uh, you'll, you'll hear back from me and, uh, you know, keep the conversation about Metallica going. That's very admirable of you because, you know, taking the time not only to write this uh, for fan-on-fan interaction as well is unbelievable. And, yes, we definitely will have some people reaching out to you. I can promise you that. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, and I even say in the book, I, I might not get everything right. You might, you might find something that, uh, that, I, uh, that I botch up or that you just disagree with or something that I left out that I should include. And, you know, that, that, I'd love to hear about that kind of stuff. You don't have to just write to tell me that you like it, write to tell me what, uh, you know, could have been better or could have been included or your favorite song that I, that I didn't talk about. I mean, uh, every album uh, gets discussed. And, and you know, I, I didn't do a count, but somewhere between half and three-quarters uh, of all the songs get at least some discussion. But, uh, you know, obviously not every song got in there it's not a, a catalog uh, uh sort of album by album song by song it, it's more uh, the, the the table of contents is, is broken down thematically right so it looks at religion and addiction and insanity and death and war and justice and freedom and emotional isolation and control and resilience so i kind of group it under big headings where there's there are themes that run through Hetfield's lyrics and uh, let one song sort of speak to the other. Uh, and that means not everything gets as full of coverage as, as everybody might like, but that's part of the fun, right? This is the kind of thing that, that guys like you and I do, Deacon. We, we love to discuss and argue and, uh, and uh, say what's what about Metallica. Oh, yeah, that's, that's part of the fun. And it's also fun, too, when, you know, y- you go places, too, and you see you know, like the festivals, and, um, you know, for instance, a couple weeks back, we celebrated Judas Priest's 50th anniversary, and I went, and I, I might have been amongst the youngest people there, but now when you're seeing the new generation of Metallica fans, this is definitely something that also puts them on the map. If I'm a young Metallica fan, I'm going to come and 
first time I saw them, I was blown away. So what did I do? I went out and bought every single book, every single album, every single T-shirt that I could find to absorb everything about this band. And I noticed that there are fans that are doing the same now. Uh, I mean, it's, a, it's amazing uh, the way that, uh, that, that it's carried on that way. Uh, my, my son is 18. He's not a Metallica fan. He's just not a big music guy. But he has a friend... Uh, Evan, shout out to Evan if he's listening, uh, who's a big Metallica fan, 18 years old, you know, and uh, he's got all the albums and he's got all the uh, stuff that goes along with that and goes to the concerts. And so it's just, it's just wild to see, uh, in this case, literally a new generation. Although, uh, in a way, each Metallica album has, has given birth to a new generation of fans. There's so much attachment for people uh, to a particular album, which might have been the first new one that they heard uh, at a point in time. So, yeah, it's, it's just awesome. Couldn't agree more there, and, and it's good to see that. Now, Bill, how long did it take you to finish the book itself? Yeah, so, uh, like I said, I started writing it over a summer, and maybe that was 2019. Like I said, I'm losing track of, uh, uh, of time, and it probably took me six months uh, of writing a little bit every day and part of that was uh, I really took time to, to dwell uh, in, in one song or two or three songs at a time and that was kind of a challenge because so many of the songs it, it, it's hard to even estimate how many times I've listened to a song like Master of Puppets is it hundreds of times thousands of times I don't even know right? <laughs> So, you know, you get sort of fatigued uh, on it in a way, and I didn't want to wear it out more. So, uh, and I, I didn't even plan on doing this, but my method ended up being uh, that I didn't actually listen to a song while I was writing about it. Uh, I sang it, and I'm nobody's idea of a good singer, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it find me to the shower, and, and sometimes when I'm out walking my dog, you know, or I would just sing it in my head. Uh, that way I didn't get tired out of, of hearing it, and, and it ended up having uh, a real benefit for me that I hadn't realized, which was that I, I, in, in singing it, you know, and memorizing the lyrics in the way that I could sing it, I, I sort of was able to reverse engineer it uh, in a way, and, and you know, in, in singing it in my own voice and in my own head, I would, I would hear things that I wouldn't hear when I was just listening to the song, like why one line would end in a certain place and pick up on another. And uh, so that, that, that was a lot of fun. So just kind of dwelling in, in a couple of songs at a time and singing them over and over again and, and just really getting into it, you know? Yeah, I can only imagine. Now, Bill, do you play by any chance? I, I don't. I, I, you know, I, I can't uh, keep time. I'm like uh, Steve Martin and the jerk trying to snap my fingers in time to anything. <laughs> I, I'm definitely no Lars Ulrich. I can't play, play the drums. And, uh, you know, I, I took a guitar lesson or two a few years ago and didn't get anywhere with that. Uh, and, and it's one of those things that I tell myself that uh, in, in my old age or my retirement, I'm, I don't want to go out of this life. Uh, without having learned to uh, to play a musical instrument, but you know I'm not there yet. We'll get there one day. We, we, it's it's a tough process. It it 
you gotta you know it's it's one of those things where you gotta when they tell you like all right listen in between your lessons you gotta practice x amount of times you really do that was the problem deacon uh yeah i i, I thought that i could just you know put in I don't know, 15 minutes a day or something, that was going to get me nowhere. You know? <laughs> yeah, hats off to everybody who does it. I mean, it really, you know, takes devotion to, to, to play an instrument at any level. I have, I have respect for anybody who does it, never mind, you know, at the level of professionals. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a skill, and especially to play this type of uh, music, especially thrash metal, uh, it's, it's not easy. Bill, question for you here. What is the next projects that we're working on that we're looking at? Well, uh, that, that, that's a good question. Uh, it'll, it'll depend a lot on, on what goes on with, uh, with sales of, uh, of this book. I mean, I'd love to do potentially another Metallica book or, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm a big fan of, of, of lots of metal, and uh, so, I mean, I wouldn't mind taking a, a crack at a Black Sabbath book or an Aussie book or, you know, I've, I've always got lots of stuff going on uh, in my uh, professor uh, life, so I'm, uh, I write a, a good bit of poetry uh, myself. I've recently published a couple of uh, poetry books, so, you know, I like to dabble in all kinds of different things. That is awesome. It really is, and it's safe to say that being a metalhead or a metal fan, um, you, you got to have that different intellectual level because of how close it is with classical music. And I've been saying this for years, so I can already see, based upon the writing, based upon our conversation, that how things pan out even when it comes to the comparison of the two. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? I mean, and, uh, particularly back in, uh, in the day when Metallica was first getting started, right? I mean, it was seen as anti-intellectual music, and, and really it's the furthest thing from, from anti-intellectual. If it's not that, and, and don't, we, we can't confuse that with educated, right? Because it's not as if uh, the guys in Metallica uh, are super highly educated, but uh, I mean, Hetfield is as, uh, as smart as they get, uh, and you know, he, he's an incredible poet and has tremendous insight into the human condition, and uh, I mean, of course, in terms of the musical influences, right? I mean, uh, Cliff Burton, of course, was a great uh, uh, admirer of Bach and uh, all kinds of classical music that made its way into the uh, uh, into the Metallica songbook. And uh, it's really only gone on from there with, uh, with the metal genre. It's gotten all the more technical and sophisticated and, and all that kind of thing. Oh yeah, and now I believe we're over 150 subgenres of metal, and that's how we've evolved now in 2022. Wow. <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> crazy. When I was a boy, there was only one kind of metal, and we called it heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I like yeah. to I like to see the music as it progresses, whatnot, and uh, you know, I think that. You're spot on with everything that, that we've discussed thus far, especially, too, with uh, growing as a lyricist and everything that Metallica has done. I would definitely like to, in the future, get out a uh, all-instrumental episode so the fans could see that aren't big Metallica fans 
uh, really the significance of these guys writing the instrumentals because it's not like you're never going to hear an instrumental performed at the concert that they, you know, the concerts now. There's so many great ones to choose from that they still perform today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. And, and, and some of what they've done uh, with the symphony orchestras has, has been great, both with the instrumentals and some of the different arrangements they've done of the more traditional songs. So, uh, absolutely. And, and sometimes uh, when uh, a non-fan asks me from just a pure music standpoint of, what to listen to to get a sense of the band i'll recommend orion you know just because it really has everything that's best and, and most beautiful uh in in metallica and uh yeah so it, it uh, although i'm a big lyrics guy uh and for me bad lyrics can kind of ruin a song but no lyrics that's fine <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it i like that yeah. <laughs> now bill Metallica in general here. How many times have you seen them? Oh wow! Uh, you know, not, not as many as you, Deke. I mean, uh, <laughs> you're, you're hardcore. Uh, probably twelve or thirteen. You know. That's still uh, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've, I've slowed down in, in in recent years. Most of those uh, go back to my uh, the, the times of my misspent youth. So. Most of those run from Master of Puppets tour through uh, Justice and for, Justice for All tour. Oh well, I, I can't I can't fangirl too much over this one, but can you please tell me what the Master of Puppets tour was like? I mean, I wish I could just maybe trade a big victory. I don't know as far as I would go as to say is to give a championship, just to give me <laughs> one day just to see that tour. I mean, they were on a mission. Uh, that, that's why it, it makes it harder to, to see them these days. I still love to see them. But you talk about a band on a mission and a band on fire. Uh, I saw them uh, first time on Puppets Tour uh, opening for Ozzy out in Jersey, the Meadowlands, I guess it was at the time. And, you know, to see them come on stage and, and headbang, it, it was like, yeah, you know, when you see those pictures of the ascent of man and it's like progression of like apes to human beings. And like <laughs> to see Cliff Burton on stage headbanging was like the height of, of, of human performance as far as I was concerned, you know. And man, they were just on fire and just, you know, they, they were on a mission, you know. They, they, were, they were on a mission and, uh, you know, what... Yeah, and, and I and for me it's I, I'll make the joke every single time that if a Metallica ticket costs a thousand dollars to get in, it is worth the price of admission every single time when you get to hear Master of Puppets. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the truth, right? Yeah, it's 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 just uh, for me that album uh, changed my life and, and just that that. That just really separated me from, you know, like, this is this is where I stood growing up and, you know, progressing as a, a music fan and starting off at genres that I didn't really like, but I just kind of listened to them to fit in. And then finally I found something where now a lot of my friends don't particularly listen to metal. <laughs> yeah. So I'm alone. 
you know, that's, that's cool, right? I mean, we have all different kind of interests with people. Yeah, yeah, definitely crazy. Now, Bill, you got a favorite song and a favorite album? Oh, you, you know what, though, before, before I go to that, uh, just a thought of, about the seeing them on the Master of Puppets tour with, uh, at, uh, at New Jersey, Meadowlands, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, my, my friend, friend of mine, not, not Joe, Joe was at the, the concert too, but my friend, <laughs> yeah, and guy, guys named Eugene don't, you aren't usually very lucky, you know, because they're, they're named Eugene to start with. No <laughs> Uh, he and I got lucky that night, and, and not with girls, but uh, <laughs> we got lucky by getting stranded uh, in the in the parking lot after the show, and uh, we got to see Metallica pop out of their tour bus, uh, and this is just still in my memory. I'm sure my memory uh, has augmented it and, you know, made it better than it was, right? And we were small, you know, we were probably 15 or 16 at the time, right? We couldn't get that close. Uh, but we saw you know, and the guys in Metallica, all four of them, get out of the tour bus, and that was just, you know, incredible. That that is crazy. That I just I don't know. What, I mean, I have not met them, and I I only fangirled when I met one person. That was Kobe Bryant, and I I don't know how I would react. You know, I mean, like they're normal people, yes, but these are people that I idolize and. Everyone else idolizes that is a, a huge mega fan like this. What do I say? How's it going today? How you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> my name's right. Deacon. You know, I run my whole life based upon you and your music. <laughs> right. right, right. No, I know what you're saying, right? And, and so, I mean, this wasn't anything where I even got to, to say hello or anything like that. And and uh, I, I haven't met them personally either. I mean, I, I tried to get... Uh, an interview with Hetfield set up for this book, and it just wasn't coming together with uh, with all kinds of complications and scheduling. And I'm sure he's very busy, and maybe this isn't the kind of thing. Well, you know, he, he's very close to the vest in, in talking about lyrics, right? He likes to try to leave them uh, open to the listener's imagination as much as possible. And you know, I, so I, t I totally respect that he didn't want to uh, be interviewed about it, but I, I still keep. Uh, in the back of my mind, the uh, the idea that uh, we'll get a chance to meet someday, and hopefully I won't be, uh, uh, you know, gushing uh, uh, in a way that embarrasses myself too much. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. You know, and when that moment comes, I think that it would be surreal, and it would just be normal, you know. And I, and I hope that one day you do, and I hope that they actually will take time to read this book too, um, because I think that if you're a band of some sort that you kind of got to, you know, be Michael Jordan for a second here and not to try to compare two, you know, icons, but Michael Jordan read the books that were written about him. Oh, did he? Yeah. And, and oh yeah, of course. And and when somebody said something out of line, that was the end. No more interviews with Jordan, no more phone calls, yeah. don't talk about my name, that's the end of it. Yeah, so yeah, that would yeah. be cool if they read it and, you know, reached out to you and said, because I, I think that everyone's entitled to their opinion, too. And I think that a lot of people, as I mentioned earlier, feel the same way you do. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, th there's nothing uh, in the book uh, that, that uh, would rub anybody the wrong way, I think. I mean, I, I think hopefully uh, if, if Hetfield, you know, would read it, and it's uh, mostly concerned with Hetfield because he's uh, the, the lyrics writer almost exclusively. Uh, you know, I hope I hope it would come across as flattering uh, rather than uh, anything 
that would rub him the wrong way. But who knows, right? Yeah, absolutely. Only time will tell, Bill. Only time will tell. Oh yeah, no, no, that's perfectly fine. That was it was definitely worth hearing the rest of it because when you when you get especially too, you got to see my face right now. I'm, I'm ear to ear right now, just listening and drooling of the stories. But favorite song, favorite album? Do you have one? Well, you, you know, you can. That's like asking me my favorite child, right? <laughs> you know, not that I can take credit for the songs or albums the way I could with my my children or blame for my children, right? But uh, it, it also sort of, you know, changes uh, depending on mood and all that kind of thing. But I don't, I don't want to dodge your question. So, uh, favorite in, 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 in a sense of like a sentimental and important favorite for me would probably be Fade to Black because, as I mentioned, that really spoke to me uh, right off the bat. And, uh, you know, it's just a great song in, in combining the, the, the poetry uh, and, you know, all the different uh, elements of Metallica from, you know, the, the soft beginning to the, the totally rocking and thrashing parts. And, yeah, so, so that would probably be my favorite uh, song if I had to pick one. And I mean, the a- album, uh, I, I guess I would probably say Master of Puppets. Uh, I mean, uh, that would probably be my answer for, for the best as well. Uh, you know, favorite and best aren't always same right yeah but yeah yeah took me a long time to come to terms with that answer that you just said there but yeah i'm i'm in agreement that master of puppets is their best album too yeah yeah i mean listen again it can change well you know it's really going to be interesting 20 30 years from now when people listening to it have more of a distance from the uh, the Metallica albums these days, fans are, are so passionate and so invested in particular albums for personal reasons a lot of the time. So to get some distance and, and get a, a sort of an objective evaluation 20, 30 years from now, maybe be interesting to see what people say. But I, I would, if I if I could lay money on it now, I'd bet on Master of Puppets as, as being the critics' choice for the best. Oh yeah, uh, I I uh, definitely definitely think that you're right, and I think we're also uh, I, I think we're gonna see another album or two uh, by the time that they're done as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Now, Bill, you gave us a uh, cool story before, but what is your favorite Metallica memory? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, so, so that that that's got to be uh, up there as. as Maybe my favorite, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, another, the, the second time that I saw them was also Master of Puppets tour, and um, this this time was after the, uh, the passing of Cliff Burton, and so it was in the basement of the Madison Square Garden, which they, they used to call the Felt Forum at the time. I don't know what they even call it now, but I think they still have shows there. And uh, so this would have been, I think, early December of 86. And just just, uh, kind of get a a time capsule on this kind of thing. You know, news travels so quickly these days, right? Yeah. And I I did hear the news of of Cliff Burton dying like the day of or the next day uh, because, 
Well, you're on Long Island. WCWP, uh, CW Post College Radio used to do a, a metal show on the weekends back in the 80s and probably into the 90s. And that's where I heard it, uh, that Cliff had died. But Wow. All the way into December, there was a rumor the day of the concert uh, that Cliff wasn't really dead uh, and that, you know, he was going to be on stage that night, you know. There wasn't a lot of credence to it, but it was the kind of thing, that, and, and listen, it was well documented that he was dead. I mean, you know, they had had the funeral and everything else, but, you, you know, there was no internet. It was before the next edition of whatever circus magazine or hip parade or could come out. Uh, so just the idea that you were going to a show, you know, where, where something as bizarre as that could be happening, uh, you know, that, that, that's another, you know, great memory, uh, along with so many other concerts uh, from, from that time, you know, uh, the, you know, the Justice Tour after that and the Black Album, just being with friends, you know, Oh yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more there, and it's it's too much fun now to uh, not meet people, especially that come on the show and other uh, different chapters and whatnot. So it definitely is fun, and then for me, it's just become a whole new you know uh, ball game with with seeing them. Uh, as I mentioned to you earlier before we started recording. I've seen uh, pretty much basically the last, uh, with the exception of the, the boxing pay-per-view that they did, um, I've seen the last 12 shows that they've performed. And it, it's unique in every city just to see how the crowd reacts and how you know you have, hear them that night and what the set list is and whatnot. So it's, it's become a big part of my life too, um, you know, especially more than just being the average fan. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great the way that you can you can make a connect with this podcast and, and meeting up with people and uh, I mean you just make such fast friends with people uh, when, when you start with that common bond of Metallica or metal in general uh, and, and then you end up finding you have all kinds of other things in common and it's just awesome. Oh yeah, uh, you're a fan of the show, Bill. So I got a story for us all. Genius of the week here, and this yeah, is well. yeah, this is a true one. So, being that you're formerly from the tri-state area, I guess that you can kind of consider now a little bit too. You're not far away, Staten Island. I'm sure you know where it is. Oh yeah. Staten Island, this is a true story about a month ago. I've been waiting to save this story for you. This is, oh, yeah. I, I figured that, you know, I have a lot of crazy things that happen to me, so I was like, let me get a good story that recently happened and see if Bill maybe heard about this. Well, Bill, have you heard about the the bicycle serial killer in Staten Island? <laughs> no. <laughs> Gentlemen, for 15 years, Bill has been robbing the neighborhood blind of their bicycles. Over 10,000 bicycles stolen, and the man was finally apprehended and sentenced to 18 months in prison. The man was cleaning out his house while he had it for sale on the market, and a Google drone flew over the house or out and from outer space, took the picture with over 500 bikes on the front lawn. And it was reported, and the man was apprehended. 
That is our genius of the week there, Decaholics. I hope you like that one. That is a true story, believe it or not. That is a true story. You guys could probably Google that right now and see the <laughs> bicycle serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just think about it from this perspective here. The guy was just selling his house, not even thinking twice, like, let me remove the stuff, clean it. Maybe he was painting or whatever else he was doing. But, man, I, I hope that money's still there for you when you get out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> Bill brings us down into rapids here. I got, uh, you know, the deal. A couple minutes uh, back and forth here uh, on the subject at hand. Uh, three good yeah. questions for you that have... Only one of them has been asked uh, prior to guests on the show. First one being, is Black Album Metallica's best album? Now, we both did an agreement that it's puppets, but commercially, sales, everything else tells us that we're wrong. Well, I mean, sales, I mean, it, it, it certainly is uh, the most popular, right? And uh, I, I, I love it, right? I mean... There are plenty of uh, of guys my, my age who jumped ship at the Black Album and that kind of thing, but but not me. I mean, I think uh, despite the commercial edge, uh, it's a great album, and uh, actually, in, in some ways, it's it's near the top in terms of the lyrical content. It really gets very self-reflective, uh, not just with uh, the God that failed, but my friend of misery and. Uh, my, uh, well, what else is on there? My friend of misery and the struggle within, and so I, I've got no beef with the black album, but I think we can agree it's not the best. Yeah. Uh, now here's a tough one. Favorite song off Saint Anger, rapid number two. Yeah, no, I'm not a Saint Anger hater. Uh, you know, again, like some people are, uh, and uh, you know, the, the obvious choices uh, might be Frantic or, or Saint Anger, both great songs, and, and more recently. Uh, the, uh, the sort of remakes of all, all Within My Hands. I love the way they've done that. But uh, I love uh, uh, Sweet Amber, uh, partly because uh, it moves into a very personal direction, I think, with uh, Hetfield's reflection uh, on his own uh, alcohol issues. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not... Uh, the strongest lyrical effort that he's had on uh, on that topic, but but it's it's a, it's a pretty fun song when you start looking at it that way. Yeah, that's definitely a great song. Um, I've up until a couple of days ago, I would say mine was probably all within my hands when they did it with the orchestra. There's a lot of songs that I didn't like. Um, per se, um, the original studio version, and then when you hear them live, it's like, oh, wow, that's such an amazing song. I went back over the course of my time being a fan and learned to love these songs. But more along the lines, you already said it for me because I've been, I have been sing this song so many times to people when they say things to me that uh, are a little ridiculous. But my lifestyle determines my death style. So frantic is mine as well. <laughs> There, that was a good call. You you knew right away that it was going to be frantic or saying anger from most fans. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, if they did a greatest hits out, which you know, strangely, they, they've never done, and maybe they don't make sense anymore in streaming days, those two would have to be on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Last one of the day here, and this is a tough one because I try to read you, and usually every single guest that I have gotten on here, I can read and tell what they're going to say before this answer, but. 
Metallica's best song, Bill, Master of Puppets or One? Oh, I'd say it's got to be Master of Puppets. (laughs) Sorry, in case anyone didn't hear me, I just yelled out, yes. Yeah, the, for me, it, it's always Master of Puppets, but I'm I'm never going to disagree that these are Metallica's best two songs. And when people have come on, especially the last, most recent guests, have all forgot to you know uh, do their prep work before the show because they all said one. <laughs> oh, just kidding. But they can, uh, you know, it's it's okay for it to be one. And and, and I'm not going to be the hater that you know says, oh well, you know, I, I can't have you come and say one. I want people to give their honest answers too, but I just don't see it myself. And I'm glad that you're with me on this one, Bill. <laughs> uh, listen, one was a great entryway into Metallica for a lot of people when they, they made that video, right? Like, yeah. The video, they made it absolutely right, and it was mesmerizing, and it drew in a lot of people uh, who weren't into them before. You know, this is the Justice album, not the Black album with Enter Sandman, which people can rag on for its, you know, commercial sound, but, you know, one uh, is a terrific, authentic Metallica song, and the way they did the video was really, you know, in keeping with who the band is and was, and, uh, you know, hats off to it. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree with the video aspect of it too. And, and and people can say what they want about Enter Sandman being commercial. Uh, you know, I'm I'm the first one to say I think that it was commercial. But uh, I love all the songs off the album. I I love the actual album itself. I just don't particularly agree with what it stands for. As you know, you mentioned earlier, no internet. No word of mouth that was instantly like texting somebody like, "Hey, did you hear that new Metallica video?" That that's you know that it wasn't happening then. No, no, yeah, 
and that, and that for me makes the difference. But, uh, Bill, I got to say, you know, really a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Uh, I definitely thank you for coming on and taking the time to do this. And we definitely will have you back on again in the future. Uh, if anybody wants to chat with you, I know you mentioned that it's in the book. And, of course, we're going to tag in, make sure that everybody knows where to get you. But where can they find you on your email and your Twitter? Yeah, so uh, my, my email address is just my name, William Irwin. Uh, you know, I go by Bill, call me Bill, but it says, you know, William is the uh, actual name, William Irwin. Irwin is spelled with an I, I-R-W-I-N, at kings, K-I-N-G-S dot E-D-U. Uh, and I'm a pretty good emailer. And uh, also uh, Twitter, you can, uh, you know, catch me there. That's, that's how you and I got connected originally, Deacon. Uh and my uh, my Twitter handle is at William Irwin thirty uh, eight. You know, D- DM me. Uh, you have thoughts about the book, and you want to have a conversation. I'm glad to do that. You know, you want to uh, tag me or something like that. That's fine too. But you know, if you want to have one on one conversation uh, about the book, uh, you know, an email or a DM. I'm glad to hear from people. Glad to to be involved in a conversation. Glad to connect with people uh, who really have found the uh, the lyrics meaningful and important to them in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And whether, Decoholics, whether you ride the lightning or ride the lyric, Bill's book just came out, The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics, on the 19th of April, just a few days ago. So make sure wherever you buy your books from, online or in stores, to definitely check it out. In the meantime, please do me a favor. Follow me on the major social, Deacon and Co. Show, Instagram and Twitter. Deacon and Co. Show at gmail.com if you'd like to leave a line. But for now, Bill and Deacon are out. <laughs>